We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am the host coming to you live on a Thursday evening. Uh, I kind of forgot that there was a game tonight, to be honest. I've been so, like, laser-focused on the coaching search that I kind of have uh, forgotten that other football is is still happening. So uh, excited to to dive into the some of this uh, coaching search tonight with my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Great, man. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Can you feel it? Tomorrow's my last day before a two-week hey. break. And I'm telling you what, man. It's going to be fantastic. Teachers don't get paid anything, but you know what? I get to sit on my butt for two weeks, <laughs> and that sounds awesome. So <laughs> I'm doing great, uh, doing better than Eddie, who says his ass itches. Hopefully that gets fixed, buddy. Maybe you'll get something in your stocking stuffer that remedies that. Otherwise, yeah. I'm great. Yeah. Steven, how are, you? how are you? How's your ass? Well, my ass does not itch, so I, I guess I'm doing better than Eddie also, but um yeah you know brooke uh their last day was uh today so brooke is officially on christmas break so they don't have to work tomorrow uh so tomorrow's gonna be uh our first day of the break together and uh you know it's it's gonna be fun we're gonna go ice skating tomorrow I'm, i haven't been ice skating in years so it's gonna be very interesting to see how that goes i'm not super confident that i can stay upright but uh we'll see what happens we'll see how it goes yeah my wife uh we went ice skating a couple of years ago and steps onto the ice for one second falls flat on her back sorry janae <laughs> wherever you are um 
but then she got really good at it. You know, you got to yeah. fall and sometimes you, you know, you get knocked down, but you got to get up again. Uh, don't be kept down. So yeah, it was good luck is all I'm saying. Um, I need the video chat over under two and a half Stephen falls. <laughs> I, I'm going to say over for myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Bet the overs. I, uh, Brooke and I did, uh, we went rollerblading, uh, last summer in Newport and it took me a bit to get, uh, to get going with that. So, you know, it is what it is, but, um, yeah, we got, uh, a, a football game happening on Saturday. And honestly, I have spent like zero time thinking about it. <laughs> like I said, my head is, uh, is basically all focused in on, on this coaching search on the GM search. Um, and we're going to have a, a good time. You know, uh, I did interview Mr. Darius Davis, uh, earlier this afternoon. So that interview will be posting tomorrow. So please go check that out. Uh, making sure to uh, get him some buzz, trying to to do our part, as as Tyler has in his name. We, you know, we're pushing the the special teams agenda. You know, it's uh, it's a shame that the Chargers finally have great special teams unit in a year that uh, is a wasted season. So, but uh, those guys deserve to go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, please go vote for Darius Davis, Cameron Dicker, Josh Harris, and J.K. Scott. I think all those guys deserve the votes. All right. Uh, so today we're going to do our under the radar coaching candidates. If you pay attention to this kind of thing, you probably know about all of these guys. But, um, you know, this is our essentially tier three. I think we can call this, you know, if we're, if we're really being technical about how we sorted out the, the top guys uh, in our previous show. So we'll do our under the radar candidates today, guys that definitely deserve to be interviewed. You know, this is it's an interesting coaching search because in general, there's sounds like there's, there's for sure two top candidates. And then yeah. depending what happens with Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, and how you feel about Dan Quinn, that's kind of a, a it could be its own tier. And this, what we're covering tonight is, is kind of the, the next group there. So um, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk this week about the, the top two candidates being Jim Harbaugh and Ben Johnson. Um, there was a report, uh, from Josina Anderson of, of CBS, I think it is that, uh, <clears throat> I apologize if it's, if it's not CBS, but Josina Anderson, uh, that Ben Johnson will cost upwards of $15 million. So that's kind of the, the, the presumed going rate for Mr. Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson's agent came out and refuted that report. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And then, then Jim Harbaugh, there's been a ton of stuff about the NCAA potentially bringing the hammer down on Jim Harbaugh and. You know, uh, Colin Coward really believes he's going to leave for the NFL. And Colin Coward, along with uh, Jordan Schultz, also said that the Chargers are very, very interested in Jim Harbaugh. So, Tyler, uh, before we jump into these under the radar guys, what what are you buying and selling this week regarding Jim Harbaugh and Ben Johnson? Um, I'm selling some of the feelings from Chargers fans that Ben Johnson is literally not a candidate for them. <laughs> like, I get it. Jim Harbaugh is my number one. So I, I, I'm right there with you in that regard. But the people who are like, no more first-time coordinators at all. No Ben Johnson. I can't get on that, that wagon with you guys. There's a chance that Jim Harbaugh is just staying at Michigan. So what's next for you? Is it Dan Quinn or Ben Johnson? You know, you probably, honestly, I don't know for sure if you're looking at Jim Harbaugh. Uh, to me, the more I hear about Jim Harbaugh and how interested he is in the or how interested the chargers are in in him the more i think he's not joining the charger <laughs> the more i hear the less i think like yeah okay this is not happening thank you to his agent whoever's pushing stuff 
to get him a nice paycheck at Michigan. I I don't know. I'll wait to see it. And if it happens, awesome. That's my number one. But I, I just feel like we've we've been here before. I feel like I know how this goes. How often have the Chargers been interested in somebody and then it never happens? You know, at this point, you know, Sean Payton should have been the coach and Tom Brady was our quarterback and the Chargers are moving back to San Diego. Like that, you know, like the Chargers <laughs> are really interested in all those things. Or to London. Or London. Yeah. The London Chargers, you know, that sort of thing. I like if it happens, awesome. But all this buzz, the more I hear it, it at this point, it's just kind of noise. Um, like just pick somebody. Yeah, regarding Jim Harbaugh, I will remain skeptical that he actually is leaving Michigan until he actually leaves Michigan. Like I if you're Michigan who had some decent seasons before Jim Harbaugh got there, you have absolutely zero reason to let Jim Harbaugh leave. And you know, he's he's leveraged the NFL for several years now to get more money at Michigan and now there's these rumors on the street that Michigan is essentially going to offer him a lifetime contract at Michigan. And, you know, basically, uh, you know, they're going to offer him at least $11 million per year to be a Michigan man for life. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. If he is available, yes, he's my number one guy. But I, I'm still skeptical that he actually leaves, no matter how interested the team is in him, no matter what Jim Harbaugh has said at a funeral regarding his interest in Justin Herbert. I just am, I, I'm skeptical because Jim Harbaugh has interviewed in other places recently and he's re basically doing it to get more money from Michigan. That's that's been his his game for the last five years. Um, regarding Ben Johnson, I I am with you there. I understand like you want experience. If that's your take, I get it. But the the constant trying to like belittle Ben Johnson's success in Detroit is crazy to me. Like people talk about the supporting cast in Detroit as if it's like Randy Moss and the 2007 Patriots. Like we're talking about a rookie tight end and a rookie running back and Amon Ross A. Brown, who they're, they're all good players, but like none of them were really ever drafted to be like elite playmakers right away. Ben Johnson has had a huge hand in developing those players. And this is still a team that has Khalif Raymond at wide receiver two and Josh Reynolds at wide receiver three. Like objectively, there's at least 15 teams in the league that have a better wide receiver core than the Detroit Lions. You want to talk to me about the offensive line? Great. They've had their starting five play 25% of their respective snaps this season. And this is also the same unit that traded away TJ Hawkinson last year at the halfway point of the season and went on to be the second best offense in the league. This is a, this is a guy who took over play calling in 2021 from Anthony Lynn and took the offense from the mid-20s to the low teens. Like, this is a guy who has elevated the Detroit Lions every single step of the way, and by the way, has taken Jared Goff to heights that Sean McVay couldn't. When Sean McVay was, and the Rams were heading to the Super Bowl in 2018, Jared Goff was 10th in the EPA per play and composite, uh, or excuse me, completion percentage over expectation. This the past two seasons with Ben Johnson, he's seventh across the last two seasons. Like Ben Johnson has done nothing but elevate the Detroit Lions. They're about to host their first division playoff game in 30 years, in a large part because of Ben Johnson. So I get it. You want experience, but this like constant desire to like belittle Ben Johnson, I think has gotten very out of hand. Yeah, it's it's the point where I post something like, Hey, Ben Johnson's pretty good in interviews, and people are like 
Well, I, I can think of another coordinator who's really good in interviews, <laughs> and therefore I don't want him. Like, you hire people who are good in interviews, I think. Yeah. You know, I've never, like, hired someone officially, but I assume you do interview and hire the people that are good at interviewing and that have been good at their job. Again, totally get it. Season ticket holder here. I'm here with you guys. Spent a good amount of money watching a lot of Chargers losses, dude. I get it. Harbaugh's my number one. But we got to stop ruling out Ben Johnson like all together because he's good at his job and interviews well. And like, I don't know, the, the whole there's a lot of like trying to like crush what Ben Johnson has kind of done for the Lions. Like, let's just let's just chip away at his resume. Yeah. And I, I just don't get that um, because I, I understand the Chargers are not maybe the best in terms of supporting their coach become that guy but that does not mean that overall ben johnson is not one of the better candidates yeah and frankly he's the only high-end offensive candidate like i I, i'm interested in a lot of these other coaches but he is the only high-end offensive coach and so it it's it's a real thing where you are potentially looking at a scenario where jim harbaugh stays in michigan Bill Belichick, for those who want him, stays in in New England, and Mike Tomlin stays in Pittsburgh. And you're like, okay, like, are you really going to take Dan Quinn over Ben Johnson? Are you really going to do that? Um, are you really going to take Raheem Morris or Brian Flores or these guys over Ben Johnson? I would strongly encourage you to re- reconsider that <laughs> that take. Uh, yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, we'll get into some of these guys. It's also a very real possibility that Ben Johnson uh, takes $15 million from David Tepper in Carolina. Uh, so, you know, we could be looking at a scenario where the guys we're talking about tonight, one of them ends up being the Chargers head coach. So uh, I, this is why we're, we're having this discussion tonight. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I, the Chargers will cast a wide net and maybe the obvious pick is, is out there. Do you think it's going to be that guy? And it ends up being Mike McCoy. Like, again, we've been here before, guys. We, <laughs> we do have to talk about these yeah. candidates. Andy Reid was there, and they went elsewhere, and the Chiefs yeah. are who they are. So, you know, got, got to talk about these guys, too. Yeah, I mean, we all wanted uh, on this show the Chargers to hire Brian Dable, and when Adam Schefter sent out that tweet that it was going to be Brian Dable, we were all very excited. And then, obviously, they hired Brandon Staley, and at the time, we were also pretty excited about that. So uh, you never know how these coaches' coaching search will go. Uh, they're also going to be hiring a GM for the first time in 12 years, so... Uh, this is going to be very, very different. As we've said before, keep an open mind. Uh, I think that applies to the team, and that should apply to the rest of the fans. So, uh, Tyler, let's get to our uh, under-the-radar coaching candidates. Uh, these are Tier 2, Tier 3 guys, and we're going to start with Mr. Brian Flores. So, if you are paying attention to the 2023 season, the Minnesota Vikings and their defense are a driving factor of why they are in the playoffs. And it is a defensive roster that was completely gutted to the bones after the Minnesota Vikings are are trying to go through this competitive rebuild. So um, he's doing a great job in Minnesota right now. Obviously, he comes from the Bill Bill Belichick tree of coaching. So I understand if that makes people skeptical. He was with the Patriots in a variety of roles from 2004 to 2018. And then he was the Miami Dolphins head coach then the Steelers defensive assistant and linebackers coach, and obviously now currently the Minnesota Vikings defensive coordinator. So Tyler, what are your uh, pros that you think make Brian Flores a viable head coaching candidate this year? 
that he's crushing it with the Vikings. And I, I do think that in general, he is a good coach. And I, it's sort of a, he said, she said with his previous experience with the dolphins, there's a lot, a lot circulating about rumors. And do we, are we going with two? Are we going with Deshaun Watson and Tom Brady might be that like, there's a whole circulation of mess there. So it's tough to kind of parse through what happened there, but it seems like the players really have liked him and re- respond to him. What he's doing with this roster, which like you said was gutted, is impressive and sort of an advanced Joseph sort of way. Like it wasn't maybe great to start the season, but to see this kind of progression over the course of the season to now where they're one of the best defenses in the league with guys that like it's not an elite unit in terms of on paper talent. I don't think there's some good players. Um, Ivan Pace Jr. Obviously, they're doing a really good job with him as a rookie. But what he's done there is really impressive. So he checks the experience box. Um, it feels like slightly less of a, even though this is kind of the exact same situation, but it feels like slightly less of a retread than like Dan Quinn. I don't know about like Brian Flores just seems like a newer option. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, I, I, I think he's a solid candidate. If we were looking at anything that was, you know, Herbert was very much later in his career or something, yeah. um, then maybe, you know, this would be good. Like one final push, but it, the the con is very obviously that he's defensive minded. And I'm not really super into that right now. Yeah, no, I totally get that. And and we've had that discussion. I think the positives for Brian Flores is obviously that he has shown an ability both in Miami and in Minnesota to maximize the player talent on defense. And I think Dan Quinn, to the same kind of extent, has, has shown that some of these defensive coordinators who are on this uh, on this feature and not on this feature have also shown that ability. But I think also just like his his mentality and and the identity that he would bring to the Chargers, specifically on defense, I think would be enticing to me. I think we are we have been in like this Vic Vangio defensive meta. I think the league is really going to start getting away from that yep. in large part because of Brian Flores and like, like what he's been able to do this season. And you know, for for whatever you think of him, like he's not super high on my list personally, but like. He deserves to be interviewed for nothing else for what he's doing with this group of of defensive playmakers. I mean, you, you look at Daniil Hunter and Harrison Smith, like those are two very established players, but everybody else on that roster for the most part is like a day three pick and an undrafted free agent kind of pick. Like obviously Ivan Pace is kind of like the, 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 the poster child of his defense right now. Uh, you know, five nine undrafted linebacker being your best linebacker is just kind of unprecedented. But um, you know, Josh Metellus was a guy who was essentially you know a, a six round draft pick, and and Brian Flores has turned him into uh, a potential Pro Bowler. You know, you look at um, what he's do- what he's doing with the the secondary, Makai Blackton, who's who was a fourth round draft pick from USC, being like a viable starting cornerback on the outside, like. It, there's player development here. There's scheme that I think matches like what you are wanting in a defense going forward. Um, it, there are obviously some some negatives here. From just like a, an outsider perspective, he is still currently doing the lawsuit against the NFL. I am very curious if that keeps him away from the interview scene. You know, does he actually get that many interviews when he is suing the NFL owners and like cited, I think, at least five of them in his lawsuit? So it is going to be very interesting in that regard. You know, there's a lot of 
you know, issues in Miami and, and like I, you would have to really do a deep dive there because the owner was like actively trying to tank and Brian Flores is like, nah, fuck that. Like I'm going to try and win. <laughs> and there's all these like Calvin always talked about this. Like he felt like players were in the middle in between of like the owner versus the coach and like everything. It was just a really toxic negative situation. So whoever is going, whoever interviews him is going to have to really like do their homework on what happened in Miami to try and figure out what is real and what happened. And, but I, I don't think you go to the following, you know, defensive coordinator position and just crush it. If you're just like a terrible, toxic coach and nobody wants to play for him kind of guy. Yeah, no, I would agree there. I, I don't know the Chargers history of, of interviews. I don't recall any from the previous cycle having anything close to the quote unquote baggage here, which yeah. isn't necessarily like his fault, but um yeah, I don't recall them going for something like this. So I, I like Flores like you do. Um, for those listening to this, isn't like in order. It's just I, I kind of like defense, yeah. offense, defense, offense. So we could just flip between names. Um, so don't like this is not our number six guy here. Yeah. Yeah, we're just uh, this is no particular order tonight. You know, connections, I think building a staff, uh, I think, is, is a viable concern as well. Um, it's all the Patriots guys granted. He does have a year now with Kevin O'Connell. So, you know, the, he'll ha he'd have some connections by association through the, the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan world because of his time currently in Minnesota. Um, I was going to put Wes Phillips on here, but I think he's currently, uh, I think he's like recently arrested. So I, I wasn't sure what the situation was there. He's the, the Vikings offensive coordinator. Um, you know, the coach that's interesting here is Chad O'Shea, which I can't remember where he is at the top of my head, but um, he had like a game management role um, and also has shifted into coaching. So he's he's an interesting like assistant, not necessarily coordinator to like potentially keep an eye on for for some of these guys. Yeah. Next up. Yeah, next up. All right, next here is Eric Bieniemy, uh, former, obviously, Los Angeles Charger. He's currently the uh, Washington Commanders offensive coordinator and assistant head coach. Charger fans obviously very familiar with him from his playing days as well as his offensive coordinating days with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the decision to go to Washington, I think, was, was him trying to prove that he really could call plays on his own. Um, under Andy Reid, it was Andy Reid's offense. Eric Bieniemy was calling plays unless Andy like would want to take over from time to time. Like whatever you think about that situation, it, you know that's that is it is what it is. But from a positive side of things, Tyler, what uh, what would you be interested in in hearing from Mr. Eric Bieniemy? Oh boy, uh, plenty of positives here. I think I think he's a stronger option than maybe people are discussing. I just. We'll talk about maybe some of the, the past and whatnot and whether that's a factor here. But I think just the years under Andy Reid, of course, that's something you want to go for. I think the ability to build a staff, either with the offensive staff mm -hmm. or the GM that he could bring over. There's a lot of candidates on this list that have very good GM connections, potentially. Not yeah. necessarily from Washington. Uh, I'm not looking for like a Ron Rivera thing over here. <laughs> but, you know, from the Chiefs, you can, you can pull a lot from your time there. Yeah. And I think just being the associate head coach and obviously being in lockstep with Andy Reid for so long, it doesn't make you the head coach, obviously, but it does give you some slight, I don't know, advantage, I guess, in the coaching hire world. And that's, that's why he took the job. But, you know, he couldn't, you don't go from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator. What he got here was the associate head coach title. Yeah. And 
you know, I think that Washington has been better than expected. Um, some good wide receiver talent, but I think the resurrections of like a Curtis Samuel to have like a pretty solid, I think, career year for himself. That's really good to see. So a lot of connections, plenty of experience as the whether he called plays or not, the offensive coordinator and can bring over a pretty solid you know, GM with him, connections with him. So I, I think he's very if, if people are worried about like a Bobby Slowick um, in terms of like um, experience. The enemy has more of that. That's for sure. Yeah. I think from a staff standpoint, I think he would be able to build one of the strongest of anyone in this slideshow um, because he's been in the league for a really, really long time. He worked in Minnesota under Leslie Frazier when Leslie Frazier was the head coach. And I think that would be a fantastic way for you to kind of mitigate the lack of head coaching experience with a former head coach defensive coordinator who's been one of the best defensive coordinators of the last few years. Daryl Bevel is is connected to him along with several other coaches that we have been discussing. Um, you know, he's also connected for through Kansas City with Juan Castillo, who is also in Washington. He's a former Philadelphia Eagles offensive line coach before Jeff Stoutland under Andy Reid. Um, Al Harris, the very in demand secondary coach for the for the Dallas Cowboys. That could be another defensive, you know, a coordinator potential hiring. And then he was he was connected with Ryan Ficken. And I think everybody in this chat will argue for, to have Ryan Ficken on the staff. And I think, honestly, he probably sticks around regardless, in, in my opinion, just because I think the team will, the organization will really value him in that regard. But, you know, if you're not one of your main goals, right, because he's a special teams coordinator, but if that's one of your goals of the, the cycle is to keep Ryan Ficken around, I assume that Eric Bannon would be able to do that. So, to me, like the biggest strength here is the staff that he could put together um, from a negative side of things. Also kind of a positive side of things, depending how you feel about it. He does have like a very like strong personality and that reportedly like caused him issues in training camp for the commanders. But then the offense like really like bought into his vision and like the commanders are not an elite offense by any means. You can see the numbers here on the screen. 22nd in, in passing DVOA and 21st in the EPA per play. Excuse me. Um, but they're buying into it and he's he's maximizing Sam Howe's career. And, you know, that was the reason I think why he hasn't gotten a head coaching job previously. So I, I think if you're looking for like a strong personality leader, like that will be that will be like a culture builder. I think Eric Bianami could fit your your kind of wish list, if you will. But there are that, that can be taken as a negative as well. Yeah. And just to be the guy that brings it up because I have to and it's relevant you know the some of the legal issues some of it minor um I don't know how the chargers will operate this time around of course there was like an opportunity to hire him a few years back anyway yeah uh, did he officially get an interview with the chargers I was in just, 2021 I was just making sure with that because I was not sure, not positive myself mm -hmm. so feel free to google it if anybody would like um it's not like it's oh i don't know i can't think of who but it's it's not the worst thing but i think it's anything that the chargers would be yep. so he uh they requested an interview with him and they did interview him but they only did it one time they didn't get to a second interview gotcha and that tends to be the cycle for eric bianami i don't recall him getting many second interviews it was very much like a thing that a lot of teams did they interviewed him and yeah. no one was interested it's such it's the strangest thing that that that's happened again a lot of Again, some more he said, she said out there, some stuff thrown out there. You know, a lot of people, why isn't he a head coach? And then some people throwing things out for a while. Here's why. 
So maybe not the cleanest um, overall, but like, I don't know. I, I, it seems seems fine overall. Yeah, I think, and like we mentioned earlier, there's not a ton of established offensive candidates. And so Eric Bieniemy's resume will stand out naturally because of that. Um, all right, let's get to our next one here. Uh, this is Mike McDonald. Unfortunately, this is somebody that I would be very much more interested <laughs> in if yep. not for the former defensive coordinator turned head coaching cycle right now. Um, Mike McDonald is doing a fantastic job with the Baltimore Ravens. We all saw what that defense looked like a couple weeks ago. Um, Tyler, what's been your impression of what he's been doing with this Ravens defense over the past two years? Yeah, he's awesome. And that Ravens defense is awesome and they kick ass. And I love the, the again, a GM that could come over with him. Um, we'll, we'll talk about these guys later. I just love that there was this fit of, okay, well, we could keep the edge rushers that we have, or we could also go get Clowney, and we can go get Van Noy. <laughs> and I think that yeah. I just love that the GM, like that department is like that and is okay with that. And then Mike McDonald took those guys and went, great. And both those guys are just killing it. For the Ravens like some of that stuff I love to see what he designs is brilliant and fantastic it like you said it sucks that we just sort of did this yeah. although McDonald um, um, a few more years to him um, in terms of calling defensive plays so like it is a bit yeah. different but still same issue defensive play caller um, I, I think he's honestly the second best coordinator um, candidate out there into like behind Ben Johnson like Mike McDonald is awesome but he's not going to be as high on my list because of the defensive things. So some some teams going to be lucky to have him. Yeah, but I just don't think it'll be the Chargers. Yeah. So for those uh, in the audio audience here, you um, he started his coaching career at the University of Georgia, and he's been in Baltimore for a very long time. Uh, he started there in 2014. He's moved up the chain. He's coached defensive backs, linebackers. Uh, in 2021, he took a year. He took a sabbatical with uh, John Harbaugh's brother Jim. Uh, coaching the defense there and calling plays. And then he's called plays the last two years in, in Baltimore. So he, he brings three years of defensive coordinator experience and the defenses that he's coached have all crushed it. I think if you're somebody that's invested in like truly bringing back like a, a, a high end chargers secondary, you know what he would be able to do with Derwin James. Like we've, we see on a, on a weekly basis, what he's doing uh, with Kyle Hamilton, what he did at Michigan with Daxton Hill, like you, you envision Derwin James in that role. And it, and it's just pretty easy to see, you know, the way that he coaches is, is kind of the perfect, again, a, a, a scheme that works in today's NFL because he, he really is melding this like wink Martindale and also like Vic Vangio esque system. Like he's really bringing a lot of different principles together to the table and, it, and it's creating a really aggressive physical defense. And I think, you know, for everything that we want in like the Chargers culture and identity, like I think he would bring that, you know, just the physical toughness, hard nosed culture, I think really fits and plays with him. He's had a chance to see it with Jim and with John. Yep. Um, and I think it would just play like I, I do think that he is a more legitimate candidate, but it's just I want that offense first. <laughs> so like like unequivocally to me like he is a better coaching candidate than bobby slowick for example but mm -hmm. bobby coaches offense he calls plays <laughs> like i want that shanahan system so it's just kind of different 
Um, and then a concern for me too, I think is, is the staff that he would put together. If you look at the Ravens, you know, Rolodex over the last decade plus, it's not a ton of like positive coaches that I'd be super interested in. Um, so that, that is a concern for me is, is the staff that Mike McDonald will be able to put together. Yeah. But I, I do love, again, the, the GM and the philosophy that the Ravens have, we talked yeah. about this on the chargers show, but they need them need to change things up in like the comp pick formula. Chargers, seven comp picks will last 10, 10 years or whatever. Ravens, 22. Not that that's all from the current regime for the Ravens, but like the Ravens just crush it in the draft, dude. Like every year they just crush it in the draft. Yeah. Um, and they got themselves a Zay Flowers this year, for example, where the Chargers got a Quinton Johnson. Um, I don't know if the Ravens wanted Quinton Johnson, but they're certainly doing well with that pick. So I just what you could bring from the GM perspective is awesome here. Um, I think it would... I think these him and the GM candidate would really signal like a change in culture and philosophy for the Chargers. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, if your coaching resume is Georgia, the Ravens, Michigan, like that is a heck of a trio to work with there. Yeah, 100%. And like everything that we've been talking about in terms of what we want, if you're a defensive coach, you have to be able to like really stand out, in my opinion, from like a physicality standpoint a player development standpoint and a culture standpoint and, and you want to talk about like what the ravens have done i mean like geno stone just comes in and is a pro bowl safety when marcus williams is hurt you know uh justin matubike takes this huge leap under mike mcdonald you know <laughs> today mcclowney is about to record his first double digit sack season <laughs> since like his rookie season and this is under mike mcdonald you know kava is playing effective football down there too so He's got a lot. He's got a lot working for him. It's just it's tough for me to wrap it around my yeah. wrap my head around this for the Chargers because I think offense just makes him much more valuable. Yeah, I agree. Here's a guy you're really interested in, though. You you've really started yes. to like move Brian Callahan up. So what was it for you that really pushed you like from sort of this tier with everybody else to closer to that first tier? Yeah. So Brian Callahan, for those who uh, are, are listening to this, is is a guy who I think. For me, I, I've moved him into the same tier as as Bobby Slowick and Frank Smith. I think what the Bengals have done with Jake Browning, I know he he's not technically like the play caller there. So this is like a very similar conversation about like Frank Smith, for example. But one thing I've always just been super impressed with from the Bengals perspective is how they have solved problems in season. You know, in 2021, they had this terrible offensive line, but they were able to mitigate that issue and obviously went to a Super Bowl in large part because of the work that Brian Callahan and, and Zach Taylor and everybody was able to do with that season. And then they go into 2022 and every single team is trying to, you know, just take away the deep shot and, and they're not going to let Jamar Chase beat you. And they kind of morphed this offense into, you know, it, almost like a West Coast offense. It was a lot more like quick game. It was a lot more like quick hitting run games. And then this year, like you, you know, Joe Burrow is hurt and can't move. And so they're just like living and empty, like every single play. And it's just like, you know, quick, sh quick hitting shots every single play. Then you lose Joe Burrow and, and you get Jake Browning in there. And Jake Browning, who was an undrafted free agent, who was cut by like three different teams, is now like one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. So I just I, I think the way that the Bengals have constantly solved problems to me indicates a very strong, healthy coaching staff. And, and Brian Callahan is, is in there too. He's got a really nice background as an assistant, as a quarterback coach, his dad, Bill Callahan is, is arguably the best offensive line coach in the league. So 
there's just a lot to like here. And the more that I've looked at Brian Callahan, the more I've been interested in it. Um, and, and I think also like the staff that he has potential to build, I think it would be fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of names on here that we can get into. And also there's a very hot GM candidate that he could bring with him, Mr. Trey Brown. Um, so I just think there's a ton to like from a, a culture of problem solving, adapting to, on the fly, maximizing players, and then also just like the connections and staff you could build is, build is really uh, attractive to me. Yeah, I agree. And in a, a field of very few good offensive coordinator options, I, th- I think he definitely is one. I don't mean this to sound like a, a knock, but he feels like a, almost like a safe yeah. option. Not that any of these guys are safe. Even Ben Johnson is not safe. But he feels like a safe floor kind of option. And he was sort of on the radar for a while. But watching what they've done with Jake Browning, and sure, there's some Zach Taylor oversight here, which is you know kind of a, a knock, I guess, maybe. But what they've done with Jake Browning, where they basically haven't, honestly, they've maybe, maybe been better, partially because Joe Burrow was hurt to start the year, of course. But like sure. the fact that Jake Browning is out there throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns like every game, is ridiculous um and i really do like the receiver development of the the almost called them the colts um the the bengals over several years now some of that is just jamar chase is jamar chase but the fact that they've got a nice core to them i think even though the run game hasn't been amazing for them either like they've never had like this number one rushing attack it's always been good and i just yeah. like seeing a nice consistent good rush like i'll take it you know some of the deficiencies of the chargers this year would have been so much better if they were just fine or good <laughs> at these things um my only concern i guess but this is partially more gm is that the offensive line has not really been great um sure. through really joe burrow's career and before that the bengals i mean other than muñoz like i don't know well no and whitworth sorry there are some good offensive linemen for the bengals but i feel like overall they, they've sort of struggled and with burrow you know kind of like watching him sort of same as um justin herbert consistent injuries there not that it's always the offensive line's fault but i would hate to see that right continue with the chargers so good candidate solid candidate safe candidate i think and you know as safe as a a good candidate can be and someone on the offensive side and like you said good staff hot gm candidate so it's it's a good it would be a, a good hire i think just not a home run for me yeah that's totally fair and i think if he were like if we knew that he were calling plays like i think that would obviously elevate his status that much more um very similar conversation obviously around like eric b but you know you look at his his background and it's a lot of different offenses like he hasn't been like a core guy at one place like you look at some of these guys who stick around i mean eric Bieniemy was with andy reed forever you know the denver broncos under john fox and then um Gary Kubiak, like that was a very different offense is that he, he was there in Denver. The Detroit Lions at that time under Jim Schwartz, very different offense. The Raiders under John Gruden, very different offense. And then, you know, Zach Taylor is a Sean McVay guy, but because of Brian Callahan, like I think they're able to run a variety of different stuff. Like they were very like shotgun heavy outside zone in Joe Burrow's rookie season. This year, they run gap concepts at a super high level. Some of that is personnel because they went outside Orlando Brown. But I think they're able to do that because of Brian Callahan, because Zach Taylor has been very much like stuck in that like outside zone Sean McVay world. So I think Brian's, you know, calling card is that like schematic versatility and the ability to problem solve. To me, like I think that is 
an attribute that I would credit him with as opposed to just mm. Zach Taylor. Yeah, good call. <laughs> here we go. All right, uh, Bill Belichick here. <laughs> we, Of course, we had to talk about him. If you listen to the show, you know how we feel about this, but we're going to try and be a little bit more optimistic and also kind of really like weigh the positives and cons here. Like that's that's what we do best here. So um, he's been the, the head coach in New England forever. Obviously, he was Giants, Jets, whatever. You, you guys all know the history here. Um, for those who who like this is not, I guess, super common knowledge. He's been the GM, de facto GM, the entire time he's been in New England. The Patriots traded for him. So he, he came to the Patriots with a lot of cachet. And obviously he has uh, built that up over the, the past few decades, winning a bunch of Super Bowls, all that good stuff. So, Tyler, if you're looking at this from a positive side, why would you, why would the Chargers be interested in Bill Belichick? I'll pitch it to you. Hey, <laughs> Chargers, you've never won a Super Bowl before. I've yeah. won a few of these. And frankly, it'd be nice for the fans to see some of these. I think this is a potentially depends on where you, you fall on the fence of where Belichick is. But even I, who, um, you know, we have him in this tier, it would be a bit exciting to have Bill Belichick be the head coach because of the possibility and the fact that there could be a, a change in culture, et cetera. The Chargers, I mean, nobody, no, nobody has ever had a guy who's won eight Super Bowls become their head coach next. Like, that's not happened. Um, so if that happened, and by the way, we have no idea if he's officially available or leaving or retiring or whatever. Um, but if it happened, like you have something the Chargers or many any team has ever had in this opportunity with Bill Belichick. And at minimum, you're going to get, I think, a good defense. And like that side of the ball will be taken care of, regardless of what happens. I think Bill Belichick as the coach, so this is where I'm running out of steam because you and I are on the same page. And I'm trying to pitch something I don't like. <laughs> but uh, as a coach and the yeah. defensive coach, I think you're you're getting something solid. And with the history that he has, like the Patriots, you tell me about the Patriots history before he got there, other than it ain't great. And it wasn't. And I think if you're, if you're looking at a, someone who can take another team, like one team, he, he's taking the Patriots from what they were to what they were, you know, at 20, for the last 20 years, he's been a part of a change. Okay. That was the best attempt at me trying to sell this. <laughs> Steven, you take the, the realistic side here. <laughs> Well, I guess like the the other thing from a positive standpoint, I would say is, you know, you listen to uh, the McCourty twins or Kyle Van Noy or like whoever have played for multiple teams, including Bill Belichick, like they've all said pretty frequently. I think Josh McDaniels is in this conversation too. You know, when you play in the Patriots system, like you're, you're super prepared for every single game from like a schematic standpoint. And you know what your job is. You know what your role is. Everything is very well defined. Um, you know, Tom Brady has has spoken about, you know, Bill's ability to take the defense and, and to teach it to the quarterback and make sure that the quarterback is is really able to read things out from the defensive perspective. I think those are things to talk about. I think Brandon Study was trying to do that with Justin Herbert from our understanding is that he was trying to be that guy. I mean, he was a former quarterback. That's what he played in, in his playing career. Um, so Bill Belichick would obviously be, you know, kind of like the doctorate degree of like defense teaching to the quarterback kind of kind of aspect so those are the positives i think the defense obviously has maintained a steady level you know they lose christian gonzalez their best corner they're starting jc jackson and and jc has his situation matthew judon goes down joshua uche goes down 
And the defense hasn't really taken that big of a step back. So I, I think that is definitely something that Bill can still hang his hat on. He still has a, a semi-fast fastball, if you will. Um, the negative side of things here is that uh, there was a report today that the Patriots, if they move on from Bill, are going to want to be compensated for his services. Um, Ian Rappaport did a story a few weeks ago that Bill Belichick entered the offseason with like a, a super quiet extension. Like nobody really knows like what his contract situation is. So those those are definitely things that could take into consideration. We know he makes around $20 million. And so you're talking about a guy who you have to trade for. You have to inherit a, a an existing contract of upwards of $20 million. Acquiring him is not that easy. That's part of it. The other part of it, people will say like, oh, like if you hire Bill, hire a good GM with him. That's not happening. If you hire Bill Belichick to coach, you hire Bill Belichick to GM. Like he had that kind of cachet 20 years ago when he got hired by the Patriots and he's only added to that. So if you hire Bill Belichick, you are getting him as the coach and as the GM. That is going to happen. And so I think that is also part of it. Like people are saying online, like they could hire Adam Peters, the GM from the 49ers, and then also hire Bill Belichick. That's not happening. <laughs> neither neither of those people want to work together. So I think that is also th a thing to take into consideration. Um you know, I, I think if you hire Bill Belichick, you, you probably could keep Jojo Wooden like as maybe a positive could be like the figurehead to kind of usher things into a new era, I guess. But yeah, it, it's it's dicey for me. I, I, I respect his legacy. I know that he's a great defensive coach still, but it, it's just very, very complicated. And then we can also talk about like the con staff connections as well. Yeah, the some of the decisions, the J.C. Jackson one. And I say it sort of seriously, but also in jest. If you, if Tom Telesco is trying to acquire picks and trade you a player <laughs> and, and he's trying to gain draft capital, like that's your first red flag. And to have taken that for a player, maybe they believe it's just different under our wing. And it, it is. And I hope JC Jackson with the reports of mental health and such, I hope he gets what he needs. But like 100%. You're, you're pulling that move um the matt patricia thing like did anybody other than bill belichick think that was a good idea other than well matt patricia i guess uh, i don't even know matt patricia thought that was a good idea but i'm sure yeah. he enjoyed having a job like that clearly did not work and it wasn't going to work and he pulled that move and then the draft uh Nikhil harry mac jones uh, you know okay it didn't work out but i guess he was fine his rookie year Taekwon Thornton, you know, even Cole Strange, respect him because he's been good. Uh, was kind of a reach. It's just, it's just not a great draft history, not a great history of of recent history, I should say, of hires. I, I just th there's too many question marks here, too many red flags. And while I don't think Bill Belichick is going to retire in one year, I have no, me personally, I have no idea how much longer he wants to coach for. Yeah, how. You know, oops, it doesn't work out with the Chargers. They have two bad years and he retired. Like, is that it? That's the end. He traded two firsts or whatever it was for him or a first round pick and a second, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Just there's too many red flags here. Um, I would be sort of excited still, but I just think the cost of acquisition and the risk is, is too great. 
Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like once they hire the coach, like I'm in, like that's, that's part of being a fan, you know? Um, I, I do think that like hiring bill would be like a generate a, a good amount of buzz still because it, it's, it would show to everybody that the chargers are like all in on like getting this thing right. I think that is a positive thing as well, but getting back to the Mac Jones thing, like everybody says like, Oh, he hasn't had a quarterback for the last two years. Mac Jones made the pro bowl in 2021 in his rookie season. And I know the Pro Bowl is not what it used to be, but like Mac Jones was definitely like a, an above average functional quarterback. And then what happened? Josh McDaniels takes the Raider job. And you mentioned the Matt Patricia thing. That situation like needs more details because he also hired Joe Judge, who's been special teams only. Mm-hmm. And in training camp, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia were essentially like duking it out to figure out who could call plays. Like think about that that training camp situation where you go from Josh McDaniels, who objectively is a good offensive coordinator to figuring out if Matt Patricia or Joe judge is going to call plays for me. And Matt Patricia is ultimately the one who, one who becomes the offensive coordinator. And then that goes so terribly that Bill O'Brien comes in to be your third offensive coordinator in three years. And it's just, it's a, it's a hot mess the the coaching staff that he could put together for me would be a real 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 concern aside from just like acquiring him he has shown zero willingness to branch out of his circle and that includes hiring matt patricia and joe judge to coordinate his offense like it's a real concern for me the staff that he could put together would the defense be better sure the Mm -hmm. defense that is going to be gutted in free agency would be better sure but i'm just i'm not interested in seeing what this offense looks like i'm not interested in trading two first round picks or whatever the case may be in for Bill Belichick at this time. Yeah. And I, I get for most that yes, Josh McDaniel is a better offensive coordinator than coach. That's not any, like there's no argument there. Of course he is. I don't want the coach that the Raiders partied over when he left <laughs> right. to be Justin Herbert's leader for the next decade. Like you gotta be kidding me. Yeah. Uh, if the Raiders are partying that you're leaving and also winning that after you've left, and you've already got the issues with you know in Denver previously, like that—that's the offensive coordinator we want with Justin Herbert for the next decade or so. Like, who, by the way, maybe would be. There's no way that. Never mind. I'm not even bringing that up. Forget it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's tough for me, man. Like we have zero evidence that the Patriot way works without Tom Brady. Like in New England, outside of New England, with his assistants in other places. I'm just, it, there's a lot of risk here that people who want him are not acknowledging just because he has eight Super Bowls. And I'm like, listen, the eight Super Bowls is great. Like I said, it would bring like a, a, a you know, like a legitimacy, legitimacy to the Chargers. But there's a lot of red flags here that I think are, are worth talking about. Yeah. All right, Tyler, before we get to our next one here, uh, we have to tell the people about prize picks. Uh, so why don't you tell the people about prize picks? Yeah, let's talk about prize picks. Uh, only a few weeks left in the regular season, but we continue through the postseason. Prize picks is a skill based, real money, daily fantasy sports game. Pick two players, three, four, five, or six players, and if they will go more or less for their current prize picks projection, it's really that easy. Uh, we've loved using prize picks. I have avoided them since the Chargers have Easton Stick at quarterback. I ain't yeah. touching that, but if you'd like to, uh, go ahead and make your selections. Go to prizepicks.com slash guilty. Use the code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash guilty and use the code guilty. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a bit dicey this week, obviously, with the backups and everything like that. I mean, the Chargers are on their uh, third center at this point in time. Shout out to Brennan Hymas. Hope you do great. Um, but uh, definitely encourage you guys to use it. Our uh, deal with them goes all the way through the Super Bowl, so make sure and check them out. Also, make sure and check out Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, we all know how important pizza and football are together. It's just like Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen back in the day um together working their magic but uh little caesars is fantastic you can order online during their pizza pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after nfl kickoffs plus all day on sunday and get ready for some football and fun make sure to choose your favorite little caesar pizza or pick the toppings you crave either way you win speaking of winning everyone scores with convenient delivery or in-store pizza portal pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, uh, Tyler, let's wrap this up. We'll go quickly here on some of our other candidates. These are definitely more dark horse candidates, um, ones that I think have some some real question marks about them. but. The first one here is uh, Shane Waldron. Uh, Tyler, what do you think about Shane Waldron? Slightly under Callahan in terms of safe. Uh, I, I don't think he's been in a very inspiring candidate, and I don't know why there's not more buzz. Sometimes if there's not more buzz, that means, uh, or you could indicate uh, maybe he's not the greatest candidate out there, but who knows? I, I don't yeah. remember Sirianni having a ton of buzz either. Um, I, I do obviously have to point out the Geno Smith turnarounds. You know, he was a backup for the Chargers a few years ago. You know, cycled through plenty of different teams after leaving the Jets, and suddenly, hey, he's a starting, viable, pretty good quarterback out there. Um, I obviously like the tight end usage that they've had. We've raved and wanted to trade for Parkinson or fans or whoever over the course of a couple of years now. So the tight end usage is fantastic. Um, he's been offensive coordinator for a while. He does come from the McVay tree. And I joked, but I put here from Portland. He's from Portland, Oregon. So, you know, hey, if you want to pull something, um there's that there's some sort of Oregon connection there um, <laughs> for Justin you mean oh yeah for Justin Herbert okay. yeah so hey man I, you got to point it out because one day someone will be like oh my gosh um yeah I I just don't know how great this Seattle offense it really is they haven't yeah. really been great this season they've been like they just won their game so congrats and I love Pete Carroll's uh post-game speech there but like he, he's a solid option. And honestly, this is like this is kind of an example of where we're at with this offensive, the guys that you can bring in from the offensive side. Like Shane Waldron is someone we have to put here. I just 
I'm not really in love with that choice, but we have to talk about it because we're very low on offensive options. Yeah. And in one universe or another, maybe he's uh, the Chargers offensive coordinator under Brandon Staley, but uh, obviously the timelines do not match up there. Um, I think the positives here are, you know, he's been creative almost, I think, to a fault. The, the Seahawks, from what I've seen, their offense can get a little too cute at certain times. Um, but I think the bones of the offense are where the off, the NFL world is going. Um, they do some really great stuff with the tight ends. You know, they, they do this awesome look where they put two tight ends in the backfield with a running back. And like it, it just creates so many mismatch opportunities. They pass out of it super well. They run out of it super well. Um, so like their creativity, his creativity rather, I think is on display when you watch them. You know, the, the background is fantastic. Obviously being with Sean McVay and Pete, Car- Pete Carroll. Those are two great coaches to sit and learn from and, and, and be groomed under. I think it, it's, it's a fantastic calling card, but I think there will be more buzz if the offense were still clicking like it did last year. You know, if the offense has objectively taken a step back and when you look at like their roster, like that really shouldn't have been the case because you add Jackson Smith and Jigba, you add Zach Charbonnet, you have year two of this like young offensive line that they put together so it, it sh- theoretically should be better than it is. And I think some of that could be injury related. You know, some of that just could be some natural regression from Gino. But I think he does overall get points for Gino, right? Because it, it, it is going from Russell Wilson to Gino, two very drastically different quarterbacks. And you're talking about a guy who was essentially like left for dead in his NFL career after the Jets incidents and stuff like that. He's been a career backup. And last year he was like, a top 10 quarterback in every single metric. And so I, I think it's points, but also like, I, I think you would have to do some research into like what really has gone not wrong because they're still solid on offense, but like what's led to the regression. I think you would have to be yeah. really sure about what you're getting here. Um, first time head coaching per uh, head coach as well. I think potentially yeah. could be uh, a bit much for him given like his lack of ability to problem solve this season. I agree. Our next one here, Brian Johnson, uh, a legend in my heart, obviously a Utah, Utah guy. He came to my little league practice and signed a football for me when I was a youngster. Um, You know, he was the quarterback of the U that I most remember from my childhood. Um, He coached at the U he's coached at Mississippi state, Houston, Florida. I'm currently the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator. Unfortunately, the way I feel about him as a current coach does not match my memories of him as a quarterback. Uh, but Tyler, what do you what do you think about Brian Johnson this year and, and his candidacy? Was so close to being one of the better candidates heading into this season because you see yeah. the progression of Jalen Hurts in this offense and him as a quarterback's coach. And now he's the offensive coordinator. Like, okay, this is potentially that next guy. And in a way, like you see with Steichen now, like, whoa, look what they're doing. So maybe could we replicate the same thing here? And then like the second half of this Eagle season hit and it just has slowly. Now there's been you no know, yeah. offensive line injuries and Hertz hasn't been hundred percent, et cetera, but they've just not quite figured things out. Now they're in a bit of a losing streak. And so that does put some, you know, pump the brakes a bit on him overall. Um, I honestly think that the, the best thing outside of him as a coach and I've said it a few times now, again, is a, a GM candidate that he could bring with him, whoever it is. A lot of people sure. are trying to pull from the Roseman tree, um, and he could bring someone with him. 
My other issue is that and I, it's blank here for connections, but I, I genuinely could not find a set of coaches to be his next offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. That doesn't mean that he can't find someone from another team that he just happens to know. Maybe they're sure. good buddies. They just don't coach together. But I really could not find a history of, of guys to pull from. Whereas all these guys, you could you could find a couple of guys here and there around the league. So we talked so much about the Chargers needing, you know, if they bring on first time head coach, they need some sort of veteran head coach option um, who coaches one side of the ball. Their version of like a Gus Bradley for Shane Steichen or whatever. And I, I just don't know who that is for Brian Johnson. So unfortunately, yeah. the offense took a step back for the Eagles with him officially as the offensive coordinator. I know Sirianni has like come out and said, hey, that's on me. It's my offense. Like I my bad. Like, don't put it on Brian Johnson. It's not on him. But still, like it, we, we were hoping to see this a crescendo, I guess, for Brian Johnson in terms of the candidacy. Yeah. And instead, it's just been it is they're good, but it's not quite been the same. Yeah, I think you the issue with the Eagles offense that I think a lot of people are starting to point out is that they took like the Sirianni and Steichen mind meld, if you will, and then like tried to simplify it this year. And so it's tough to really know like what is Brian Johnson's like vision for the offense because they're running the same core principles, same core concepts of that previous offense and they're not doing it as well. So like what are his fingerprints really on the offense? What I know about Brian Johnson as a candidate and what I was interested in his ability as a potential offensive coordinator when we talked about him at this time last year was his track record of, of working and developing quarterbacks. Um, you know, you look at Mississippi State, he had a huge hand in developing Dak Prescott into the kind of player that he was. You look at Florida and what he did with Kyle Trask. He got Kyle Trask drafted in the second round. Like, think about really what that is like as a, as a coaching candidate. So he's had an, a very instrumental role in the development of Jalen Hurts. And you look at the step that Jalen took in his first year as a starter in 2021 to what he did last year, I would say a large part of that is the work that Brian has done with him. But it's just like, I kind of wish that he would have left to go be an offensive coordinator somewhere else. Like if he were the offensive coordinator in Arizona right now and calling plays in Arizona, like what would that look like for him? And like, really like we could see his true, you know, core principles, core concepts and, and, what, do, what is he able to take from like Dan Mullen and Nick Sirianni and like this world that he's coached in is so uh, diverse that he could bring to the table and what would it look like with Kyler Murray as opposed to a guy he's known since Jalen Hurts was like a child. It's just it, like you mentioned, it just feels like a guy who's like right there and, and probably needs to leave Philadelphia to really get across that across that threshold in a similar fashion to like what Shane Sykin needed too. I think Shane Steichen needed to leave the Chargers, needed to leave Phillip Rivers, needed to leave the ecosystem that he was so familiar with and get into a different world to really reach his potential as a coach. I think you could see a very similar kind of role and and journey, if you will, for Brian Johnson. But right now, it's just mm -hmm. like, I know he's a good quarterbacks coach. I know it, but I don't know like really what else he can do for you as a, as a head coach. Yeah, pad the resume for another year or leave, like you said, and call plays elsewhere try to do what the enemy is trying to do um yeah not not this year last year as an offensive coordinator candidate sure maybe in a future year if the charter they don't need one but if they needed a head coaching candidate next year the following year maybe but right now 
I, I think it's just the timing is not right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last one we want to talk about is the guy who is currently coaching tonight, Mr. Raheem Morris. Again, somebody I would objectively be more interested in if not for the previous defensive coordinator to head coach hire. Um, that being said, Raheem Morris played wide receiver. That's that's so it is kind of similar to Brandon Staley in that regard. He he's coached wide receivers, he's called plays on offense, he's called plays on defense, he's been a head coach before, he's been an interim head coach before. Um, you know, if you watched the Amazon pregame, you heard Andrew Whitworth gave give a very impassioned endorsement about Raheem Morris as a potential coaching candidate. Um, so I think there's a lot to like here. Um, you look at the things that we've been talking about from a player development standpoint, from a culture standpoint. I mean, how many of you can name more than four players on the Rams defense right now? Like it, it's just been incredible to watch that unit come together. And I think Raheem Morris obviously gets a lot of credit there. You know, he's got a lot of connections from, from a staff standpoint. I think you would check that box too. Um, but what do you make Tyler of, of his potential candidacy? I feel bad that we we're doing the everything's compared to Brandon Staley thing, but like this is kind of what we're worried about <laughs> happening again. But they are very different resumes. Yeah. One just being a head coach. I'll be honest, I did not know Raheem Morris was in the league for this long. I did not realize he had been like a head coach in 2009. Yeah. Um, he was like the youngest head coach ever when they hired him, and it's it's unfortunate he got hired where he did um, because if you if you know a little bit more about the history of of that. He mm -hmm. was basically hired, and then the GM at the time of the Buccaneers was so snake-bitten by the way they invested in the John Gruden era that they basically told Raheem yeah. to tank. Like, this was kind of the Brian Flores in Miami in Tampa Bay. Yeah, he. I didn't realize also he was the hire after John Gruden. They they fired him. So yep. after, after the, the Bucs era ended for John Gruden, they brought him in. Terrible first year. They turned things around in the second year, and then I, I guess maybe that's where the timeline where you talked about of of tanking occurred in the third year where it did not like it. The record was terrible. And as you see here, 21 and 38 record in three seasons. So, um, you know, could bring a, a pretty decent staff with him. I don't know if there's any particular Rams GM candidates that are around, but the Chargers interviewed Zach Robinson last year for their offensive coordinator position could bring him in. Um, Eric Henderson was the Chargers, I think assistant defensive line coach a few years ago uh, right now. I think Alvin Kamara has like 17 rushing yards. So the defense line's doing okay. Um, Byron Young, obviously, um, doing very well in his rookie season. So I think there's a nice little staff that can come over. Sure. Uh, I, I just, I just don't, again, defensive head coach. And I just don't, I don't want to do this again. <laughs> just, we just did the, the Rams defensive coordinator thing, which sucks because it's almost like don't scoff the helmet of a college player sort of thing. Yeah. But overall, that uh, better candidate. Um, in a different year, but he's a defensive coach, so I will not reckon very high. Yeah, I uh, just realized we have him as the New England Patriots head coach, so that's that's obviously an error. He's the Rams defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's I, obviously bad. I copy and paste. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think he has a solid resume. I think if you're a team that is not in the kind of like higher like because the Chargers objectively have a chance to be like the, one of the better jobs, if not the best job. But like, say if you're, I was going to say the Falcons, but like, say if you're the commanders and you just like miss out on, on the top crowd, like Raheem Morris is probably a great candidate for you. You know, if you're the Saints and you fire Dennis Allen, like Raheem Morris is probably a great candidate for you. For the Chargers, I just it's just a, a, a kind of an awkward fit. I think that 
you know, he would objectively bring, bring some great things from a culture and defensive standpoint. But uh, I just I feel like we just did this thing. I think Raheem has obviously been in the league for a much longer time. He has that experience that people potentially are looking for. But I just I, I, I want that stability around Justin Herbert. If you're listening to this, like I think us, if we're going to put you up against an offensive candidate, you have to have like an elite track record of developing defensive talent, the experience of winning, like everything that you want in a defensive coordinator candidate. I think there's just some areas where Raheem falls a little bit short, but I do think he's at least worth interviewing at, at this point for the Chargers. Yeah. And that's it for our uh, list. That is it. There's some other guys that are like further behind. I, I'm a year away from Drew Petzing, the Cardinals offensive coordinator, being like a legitimate head coaching candidate. He's somebody that down the road I would be interested in, but they're not very good. They they do some fun things. The bones of the offense is fun, but I, I need to see them with like better talent first. Yeah. Uh, if you're wondering where Mike Tomlin is or Rabel or whoever, like these guys got to get fired before. Like I, I got to see it happen first and then we can talk about it, of course. But yeah, story for another day. Did it feel yeah. any people in the chat? You can agree with me or disagree with me. Did that just feel like a total chore to try to pitch some of these guys because they're definitely <laughs> not Ben Johnson or or John Har- Jim Harbaugh? Like, you know, some of these guys, it's like, why do you like them? Well, you know, here's this. But uh, to me, honestly, there's two candidates for this job. It's Harbaugh. And if he's not available, it's Ben Johnson. And we could honestly have stopped there. We'll do this because we want to talk about this. But to me, it, it really just feels like you have two elite candidates two and a half maybe and that that's kind of it for me yeah i think dan quinn is a very clear third uh but he's uh, i don't see a world where he's like above the other two and i know people want the experience everything like that i think dan quinn to me like when you look at him versus the other defensive guys like this dan quinn is a coach who has won a super bowl with the seahawks established that as like a legitimate like elite defense draft and develop kind of defense did it again with dallas i i know the defense wasn't like amazing in in atlanta a lot of their resources were tied into the offense and they went to a super bowl so dan quinn i think has a chance to become even a stronger candidate if they make a strong postseason run this year you're talking about a guy who's who could potentially go to a super bowl for three different franchises um so I, i think that's why he's he's up there for me just like the yeah. transformation he's done in Dallas too, I think is is definitely worth mentioning. But I agree. I think it's Harbaugh and Ben Johnson and then everybody else right now. Yeah. Unless Ben Johnson wants $15 million. Honestly, if he wants $15 million, I think he's worth it. I really do. Yeah, I think so. That would put him, I think they said with like Shanahan and McVay and these guys. Yeah. Hey man, you turn it around, you can have whatever you want. I mean, owner NFL teams these days are are making like seven hundred million dollars a year. Like, the, the Chargers can afford to spend fifteen million dollars on a coach. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Uh, if you did have to pick somebody that we talked about tonight, who would you kind of back the most? Oh, geez, man, thanks a lot. Um, and then we'll we'll finish after this. Yeah, so I'm going to rule out the defensive guys. You know, I said McDonald would be like the second best coordinator available overall. Uh, thanks. Um, 
I, I guess, I guess Brian Callahan, but like, I like Flores more, but he's a defensive guy. I like McDonald more, but he's a defensive guy. Sure. So, so probably Brian Callahan for me, because I'm going to stick with it. The idea of offense, I'm going to stick with that. We need that. Um, yeah, that Brian Callahan. Yeah. I I obviously agree. I'm I moved him up my list uh, a good amount after looking into him some more. Um, you know, for those who are are well, the defense has been awful. The defense has been awful. It's like, yeah, but Justin Herbert is priority number one, and, and getting that long term. And they said as much. They said as much. And you know, he's had what is it eight different play callers potentially. You know, being on his eighth in the last nine years, like it's the cycle of of offensive coordinators around Justin Herbert needs to end. And obviously the offensive coordinator could, could change, but if you have like that, the head coach being an offensive guy and that core philosophy stays with Justin, the system stays with Justin for at least like the next three years, you don't have this kind of, you know, running of the, the tires, so to speak. So I think it's much easier to hire an offensive coach and fix the defense than it is to, hire a defensive coach and have longevity at the offensive coordinator position. Like, I think it's just, that's the state of the NFL that we live in. So I agree. Brian Callahan would be my choice from tonight as well. Cool. All right, you guys. So that'll uh, do it for us tonight. We'll go live on Saturday. I'm really excited about our show on Saturday because we're going to put, we're going to do our best at putting together what we're calling the big four, which is going to be the GM, the head coach, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator of these top tier candidates. We'll talk about some GM candidates uh, that we've kind of researched as well, but this will give us a, a way to visualize like what this staff could look like when you're talking about this, because I do think that organizing a staff is a huge part of what makes you a quality head coach. You've got to have players or not players. You got to have coaches around you that you can trust. So we'll talk about the game a little bit. Maybe the Utah game is also at the same time. So I'm not sure how much I'm going to watch this, this game against the Buffalo bills um but uh should be fun i'm excited to dive into that particular show uh tyler any final thoughts before we head out no i'm excited for that one i think everyone's doing the gm thing the coach thing and i totally get it we did our second round of coaching tonight but the big four is a big one because i think that also can help you separate who the better coaches are too or the coaching candidates are because it's not just them who can we surround who can we bring with these guys which gm candidate will come over so it it won't be like a, a perfect big four because guys can pull from different teams whatever you don't have to have met the guy but we're going to try to organize it based on connections just to give like a a pitch an idea of what the chargers could could bring in yep exactly so uh we'll be live on saturday after the game and then obviously we're we're not going to have a show for a little bit because of the holidays so uh again hopefully you guys have a great time celebrating christmas if that's your thing if not hopefully you have a good weekend after the game so Um, that's going to do it for us tonight. We'll see you guys on Saturday as always. Bolt up.